0: Welcome to Cars Yeah,
1: show number 734.
0: Just get on with it. Don't worry about whether you're good enough to do it. Just get on with it. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive
1: inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am a revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, a John Rogers. Hey, John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? All set here. All right. Doing what you do and where you're at, I think this will become a little clear for our listeners out there. John Rogers is the director of club operations at the Thermal Club in Thermal, California. It's nestled in a valley between the Santa Rosa Mountains and Joshua Tree National Park. The Thermal Club is a private, Alan Wilson designed five mile racetrack. It features dramatic changes in character and speed and elevation and includes multiple circuit configurations, including autocross, karting tracks, and skid pads. There's a clubhouse, mechanics, and expert race technicians, and the villas, which are private homes and garages where members can keep their cars and entertain or simply escape to play with their vehicles. Prior to his involvement at the Thermal Club, John has worked in the oil and gas industry, and has even started a car customization business. So, John, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles?
0: Absolutely. Well, you said most of it. Definitely grew up in the oil and gas industry. Family has loved cars. I don't think there's anyone in our family that doesn't like fast cars. I mean, (laughs) my grandparents on both sides, my parents, you know, I've just grown up around it quite a bit and um, it's part of who we are.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it. And this new venture with Thermal Club, how did you get involved with all this? Because it sounds like a really cool place.
0: Well, it was brought to us by another group that was trying to get something done at this location. They were trying to put a racetrack, you know, down in the Coachella Valley, and they were trying to do it on a shoestring budget. And we got involved, and then we weren't involved, and then we finally came back and said, hey, we'll get involved, but that means you guys won't be involved. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we said, hey, we're going to take it. You know, we know how to run a business and we know how to make sure it's successful. And, you know, the rest is history.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it takes us time and money sometimes. Right. Right. Lots and lots of time and lots and lots of money. But we're going to learn a lot more about what you guys are doing out there as we travel through your life and your adventures. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, John, take the wheel.
0: Absolutely. I wish someone had told me this earlier on in my life. Just get on with it. Don't worry about whether you're good enough to do it. Just get on with it. That's the best advice I can
1: give. You know, what comes to mind when you share that great quote is Sir Richard Branson. He has a great quote about if you get an opportunity, don't worry if you don't know how to do it. Just jump in and you'll figure it out as you go or later. So how have you incorporated that quote into what you've done? Because you've been involved in a lot of different things.
0: Well, early on, you know, I I spent a lot of time ahead of a task or ahead of an opportunity saying, hey, well, one, you you evaluate the opportunity and you say, okay, yeah, we should do this. And then you look at it and like, oh, well, can I do this? Can I take this on? Can I take on the extra work? Am I going to have the, okay, well, at a certain point, you you just have to do it. You got to do it and see and you got to swim. You got to swim. You can't swim outside if there's no water. You got to do it.
1: You know, it can be daunting for people when things come along, and it's real easy for us to talk ourselves out of things. So I think your mantra is one of those that stops you from doing that, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. In, in every way, it does.
1: Well, let's go back in time. You talk about growing up in a family that was all about cars, which is pretty darn cool. Would you share a story with us that instigated your individual passion for for cars? Is there a pivotal moment as you look back that you realize, oh man, I'm going to be a
0: car guy? You know, there absolutely is. And when you hear this story, you're going to say, how did that happen? But I'll, I'll uh, tie it together at the end here. So we had a, a Porsche Turbo, a white Porsche Turbo. This is in the 80s, you know, the big whale's tail. And oh, yeah. I remember not being able to see over the dash. So there's this one main drag. Um, it was Crenshaw. And there's a, a spot where no police could really hide. And, you know, it was a bit curvy and whatnot. And I just remember my dad just getting on it. I'm pressed to the back of my seat. <laughs> and I mean, all I could see is, you know, your, your vision. I can't see over the dash. So yeah, yeah, just I, the I,
1: sensation.
0: Yeah, I see the sun. I see, you know, sunlight passing through trees. And I mean, we are moving. I love it. All good. You know, a few months later, I decide to set my bicycle, my BMX bicycle in the garage on the fender, the front fender. I think the, the gas cap is on the front left. Yeah. Uh huh. Le- yeah. yeah. So I set it there and, um, I leave it there. And this must be in the summer because it's in the middle of the day and whatnot. So, my dad comes home or he comes out in the garage. I can't remember now. I mean, you've never seen a bicycle fly so far.
1: <laughs> He's a little
0: upset. Yeah. Yes. Upset. And I mean, it was absolutely launched. But, you know, at the time I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm very sorry. Well, you know, I wasn't as articulate as I am now, but <laughs> yeah. I was very sorry. And, um, it, it really, it told me like, this is important. These cars are important. You need to take care with these things. So it made me view vehicles very differently. I didn't look at them as things. I look at them as entities onto themselves.
1: Yeah. You know what comes to mind? I've been a car guy my whole life when my kids were little. They're all grown up now. But when they were little, I had my garage door open and my daughter came running in. She was probably six or seven. And one of her friends was running behind her. And as she ran between the cars, she put her hands out to kind of Rub them along the cars, and my daughter turned around and put her hand up and said, "Stop! Don't touch my dad's cars. You don't even want to know what will happen to you." <laughs> and, Excellent. And I was standing there, and the the other little girl's father goes, "Whoa, you've trained her well." And I said, "Yeah, I have." So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. Now it's uh, I have a. 87 930 turbo. So I'm very familiar with those cars. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember when I let my kids uh, drive that car for the first time and said, look, we're going to go somewhere where it's real safe. And uh, this is a point and shoot car. You don't want to push the throttle hard in a corner. You'll be in big trouble. So uh, yeah, yeah, great cars. Well, John, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the many roads you've traveled down and talk about a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. And of course, the most important part of this lesson is what did we learn from this experience? So take us to that painful time, kind of walk us through it, and then uh, tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward.
0: No problem. I'm going to take you to the end of my car customization business. Okay. I closed it. You know, it was a really difficult choice to do. I was actually on a motorcycle, uh, excuse me, kind of a motocross bike. Um, Wasn't my bike. I had no business on it. And... I was flying across a dry lake bed. I had all my gear on and everything, but just like everyone else in my family, like speed. So yep. it's wide open. I'm looking backwards to see where everyone else is. And the next thing I know, I'm in a helicopter. Oh, and my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So apparently I, I hit a an old plant. You know, uh, it was a mound of old plants. That, yeah, a root um, or something like that. Yeah, and I flipped end over end over end and... You know, separated hip, you know, oh, some ouch. some uh, fractured bones and whatnot and concussion and all that. So, you know, long story short on that part is I couldn't walk for a long time. So, you know, living on my own, I was like forced to go move back with my parents because – they're the only ones who would take care of me yeah. at that time. Yeah. You know, the A-frame between my legs, all that good stuff.
1: Oh, my well, gosh. Not that
0: good. No, that's not good at all. No. And so my car custom- customization business is going. And, you know, at the time, my father's family business was expanding. Mm-hmm. So they, they had the option to, you know, they had to hire more people. So basically, we had a business on the west coast of gasoline distribution, and we were going to expand, you know, all the way to Florida and New York and whatnot. Basically, take on the rest of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to come back on. And although it was a rather short decision, you mm-hmm. know, short time. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a tough decision to say, okay, I'm going to close the business, close the car custom- customization business. That means I've got to go talk to everybody, give them, you know, bring them in tell them hey this is their last check and whatnot yeah and, um, yeah yeah i mean it's a tough time to do something like that it's absolutely you know it's now let's see 15 years later it's given me a lot of perspective on my responsibility as an owner or operator all those things you know just seeing the looks on their faces it's not something that i'm gonna do uh in the future
1: uh, yeah you know i appreciate you taking us to a really personal painful time both uh figuratively and actually, oh my gosh, having a motorcycle accident like that. I used to ride dirt bikes back in the day and uh yeah, I saw some pretty bad accidents. Had a few of my own, nothing to the serious level that you did though. Oh my gosh, thank goodness you're still with us here because yeah. those can be really serious. But yeah, having to shut down a business and uh, it's a super challenging thing. I've had to lay off a lot of people in my career over the years. And you know, even if there are people that shouldn't be there, that the fit isn't right, it's just a really, really gut-wrenching thing to have to do. It sounds like things worked out okay. So what's your takeaway from that experience that you brought forward with your career you have now?
0: Well <sighs> – I'm I'm going to add this on to your next question if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, okay. No, absolutely cuz yeah, what we're going to talk about next is the aha moment in business, one yep. of those times when the lights it, come on. So, so go ahead, let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely right there. So, I closed that business and, you know, in the next year I'm I'm actually starting to walk and I'm I'm working at the family business and let me tell you that car customization business, you know, I can boil it down to this. I mean, it was all flash, no cash. I mean, I had really what everyone would consider high-end clients, you know, I'm providing wheels and tires and new interiors and, you know, a bunch of electronics and, you know, we're doing a bunch of fabrication. And I mean, I can't tell you how many nights I spent on my couch in the office, you know, just because there was a tremendous amount of work. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's it's very exciting to be around those people, you know, say, hey, I'm doing the cars for so-and-so. But I mean, you can only mark Wheels and tires up so much, yeah, you know yeah and there's I mean, how many times do you need to sell someone wheels for for their beamer or their range rover i mean it's not not that many
1: yeah, they, it's not like they're buying them every month,
0: yeah, so again, the realization is you know, as I'm selling gasoline now and I moved into the family moved back into the family business, it was sell something that people need, everyone needs gas, yep, make it easy on them to buy. Make it available and make it cheap. It may not be glamorous, but business and the customers are all going to be happy.
1: Yeah, consumable commodities definitely. You think about gasoline or food or coffee or any of those things. Yeah, it's not too often you buy a new set of wheels or really a lot of things for your car. So, uh, and I've heard that that uh, customization business—it's a really challenging business, not unlike restoration. It's brutal. It's really brutal and uh really tough. So uh it sounds like though you got a lot of it, of good experience from that that you took back to the family business and of course now that's brought you forward from selling gasoline to running this new uh the thermal club which sounds like a really really fun place to be. So thanks for walking us through that. I know that was difficult, but so glad that that came out great on the other end, which it sounds like it has. Now, how about a proudest business or career moment? I would assume you've had many, but is there one that really stands out for you?
0: There's one that comes to mind. It may not necessarily be the proudest, but it's it's somewhat interesting. So I'm coming on to the, the business again, and I'm trading gasoline. And the reason why I'm trading gasoline at that point, it was my third month in to the job not third month into the company, but third month into the trading desk, and I'm trading gasoline on the Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. The reason why I was able to do that is because I said I could do it better than who was doing it, of course, me and my, my big mouth.
1: <laughs> yeah, careful what you say.
0: Yeah, they 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 put me in there and said, okay, prove it. Yeah. So third month in, and I had some ideas about how I could make it better. And I, I used a mechanism um, that's maybe not relevant here, but for the company in that third month, I made 270000 And for me, that was high, high level of success. Yeah. And um, that part I'm proud of because, you know, I put my money where my mouth was and said mm. I could do it, and I did it.
1: Explain to our listeners a little bit when you say trading gasoline, what does that mean exactly?
0: So gasoline, you know, we buy it in, you know, we buy 50 gallons or 20 gallons or whatever our tank takes. Well... On a wholesale side, they're bought and sold in 25,000 barrel increments, mm-hmm. which is 1,050,000 gallons. So if you make a penny on 1,050,000 gallons, that's $10,500, right? So what would that take? You buy 25,000 from Shell, and you sell 25,000 to uh, BP, and you've made, you've made two trades there. Um, I see. I and see. yeah, and you kind of you do a book there and or a book would mean there's no physical movement or you have actual tender which the physical product moves through the pipeline um, which are actually few and far between for, for traders.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So basically it's a commodities business. Where you're buying and selling uh, volumes of gasoline, moving it between different uh customers or end users or in sellers rather, I should say, before someone like me pulls up to a pump and puts it into my tank.
0: Correct. So yeah, all of this is happening well, it's happening on paper mostly. But it's happening for the purpose, generally, of supporting physical product going through a pipeline, ending up at a terminal. I don't know if you've ever seen those huge tanks, you know, driving down the freeway. Oh or, yeah, yeah. So those fill up. They're all all mixed together. Shell's gas is with Exxon's gas, Chevron's gas, and whatnot. You know, it's all commingled in there. And then a truck pulls up, pulls up 8,800 gallons into their their tank. They add. Two gallons of additive, the Chevron additive. I mean, it's really a tracer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone says it's detergent, you know, Techron, and uh, I can't think of the other ones, but it's really a tracer to make sure you're not putting unbranded cheaper gas inside a chevron store
1: gotcha um, yeah so that they're selling what they say they're selling exactly. there on the pump yeah so that the consumer is getting what he thinks he's buying so right very right. cool very interesting business very different than what i think a lot of people think the gasoline trade is all about and of course it's a moving target because gas prices are always going all over the place always moving around so uh yeah commodities trading that's a that's a difficult business for sure Well, let's go back in time and talk about your first really special car. I think you probably had some cool cars in your past, but let's talk about that first one that was really unique and special to you and maybe share a memory you have with that car.
0: So I was lucky enough to have a 1996 Camaro SS as my first vehicle. Cool. And, you know, me being a car guy, I mean, I had every car magazine known to man. And, you know, I'd read them and say, okay, you know, I want to do this, want to do that what can I put on my car? So of course I started with an exhaust and then let me change to a canon filter. And then pretty soon it's trailing arms. And then let me get the, the, um, get different, uh, let's see, I put a, a roll cage in and then it was, oh gosh, okay. yeah. yeah, roll cage. Let me, uh, let me weld up the bottom. So there's not so much, uh, flex through the body. I ended up putting ZR1 wheels on it wider, fiberglass in the back, ended up, Putting a 383 in it, I think it came with a 350. Put a 383 in it. Let me try to get as much boost as I can with a pro charger. I mean, the thing was, it it moved. So I did all this, and of course, my parents were. I mean, essentially, they're paying for it. You know, they're they're paying for it, and I really didn't know what I had. I didn't really have an idea of what they were doing for me at the time. So I'm putting all this stuff on it. You know, I'm earning some money, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend it this way, and put it on there. And of, before I had the 383, I had the supercharger on it. So one piston. Okay. I ran for like six months, you know, one piston down. And I was like, why is it so sluggish? Well, <laughs> yeah. that's because you blew the motor up. Yeah. And when it went down to, I, I had managed to blow a second piston. I could not run at all. I was coasting down that same road, coasting down Crenshaw with the car off, made a right turn and was able to get to a side street to, anyways, the car was up on a lift for nine months New motor, uh-oh. all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, new motor, all that stuff. And I'm putting this in, and I'll just tell you this right right now. what I did not know what a lease meant, but I can tell you I knew what a lease meant afterward. That car was leased, and I was doing all that stuff to uh-oh. it. Uh-oh, uh-oh, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. it's a no-no. Yeah, so I had to find a way to buy it. I, I finally did, and... um Anyway, so it's a lesson learned. remember it. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. I always tell people, if you're going to lease a car, it's not your car. So don't do no, anything to it. It's just a rental. So why would you do yeah. all that to a rental car and then yeah. hand it back? And they're not very happy when you hand those cars back and they're not the way they thought they were going to be. So no. no, not at all. What a story. Well, how about Sellers Remorse? Is there a car that you've let oh. go that you wish you had back?
0: So, uh, I mean, I sold that car. I had that car. I don't know. Let's see. I had it for nine years, and I sold it because I needed the money. I was in college, and I was like, okay, well, this is the the quickest way. I, I was went to college at UCLA, and there's no parking up there. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I can't really use this anyway, so let me go ahead and sell it. So I sold it because I needed the money and couldn't really drive the car. And as soon as I was done with college, I said, why did I do that? I mean, I love. I mean, look, it was like riding a horse. It rode terrible. But it handled like crazy. It went went like crazy. I mean, it was a it was a road race car. I, I wish I had that back. I mean, I still remember the number. It, it was number 572, and had it on the keychain and you know right on the the her shifter. Yeah,
1: well, don't feel bad. We all have those cars that we've let go for one reason and the others. There'll be another one down the road. I have no doubt about that. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about Thermal Club with our listeners. Explain to them everything about what's going on there. And I'll remind them this track was designed by Alan Wilson, who's a very famous designer. He's been a guest here on Cars. Yeah, so you listeners can go back and listen to his show. He's designed some incredible tracks. So tell us what has you excited today about the Thermal Club and where the club's at right now.
0: So Alan's been great, by the way. He, he's he been great all the way through the process. and I respect him and his work. Appreciate all the effort he's put forth for us. When we first uh, purchased the property, it was it had tamarisk trees and dirt. I think it had a boat on the property. Someone had abandoned <laughs> a boat. Oh gosh. Um, And you know we we did some rough grading of of the um, south palm. There's a south palm, a north palm, and a desert circuit. They can all be run independently. And there's a bunch of there's about 19 configurations you can run them. But wow. it's generally those those three. So. I just remember we were, we had some off-road trucks, some Baja trucks, come out and and race really early on. I mean, just as we purchased the property, and you know, today South Palm is done, North Palm is done, the desert track just got done. So, I mean, the the whole thing is, it's just come come such a long way in such a short time. So, very excited about that.
1: Now, where the club is at right now, then you've got some tracks built, and are you starting to build the infrastructure as far as the the, the actual buildings and so forth?
0: Yeah, so clubhouse is built. All the all the amenity buildings are all done. So okay. the clubhouse with the restaurant, the member storage, basically member storage is, hey, you can store your cars, your excess collection. Each one of the villas that kind of surround, that go on the exterior of the track. Um, if you've ever been to the beach and you've seen a house on the strand, they kinda look like that. You know? Yeah. Very tall. If you can fill your car your garage, you know, past the 22, 22 spots that are in those garages, you can store the access in our members' garage. Oh, okay. So that's done. Uh we have a tuning shop which is basically like there we have a lot of members that have radicals and they're basically a race car. Right. And, um, yeah, those are cool. Yeah. They are cool. So, our members really love those, and that's where all the prep work gets done and whatnot. If someone has a, a resto that we want to do or that they want to do, we'll do it in there. Uh, on top of, like, hey, let's change some tires, let's add some new some brake pads and whatnot.
1: Very fun. Well, Great site, great place to go. I'll remind our listeners, you can go to John's show notes page here at Cars Yeah, and you can find links to the Thermal Club. Check it out. Very cool place indeed. Here's a very introspective question for you, John. If you were a car, what kind of car would John be and why?
0: You know... This is going to sound funny coming from all my background with gasoline and whatnot, but it would be a Tesla. Um, Uh-oh. Be, yeah, Wait a minute. You're
1: you you you're not going to be able to go home tonight.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I have to tell you, I recently bought a Tesla, mm-hmm. and I can tell you the reason here. Uh, I know this is a little off subject, but <laughs> we have a you know, buyer house. You can get on the main Dragon. It's a two-lane highway. And at the stop signs, you have… I call it a snake lane where people pull up on the right-hand side and try to beat you past the intersection. Oh, yeah. And um, I had a, let's see, it was a 2012 E63 wagon, and I had the boost up, and I had, you know, similar to the Camaro. You know, (laughs) I had modded it up, and it was fast. And I had this this lady come along in her Tesla Model X. She pulled up on the right, and I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to give her a chance. And I stomped on it. She beat me about eight car lengths. I mean, blew the doors off me.
1: Ludicrous mode.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can tell you, before the end of the day, my car was sold. Oh, so, gosh. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah.
1: Those are pretty incredible cars. Yeah. You think about them basically with instant torque, just like a slot car, if you will. So uh very nice. Well, so John is a Tesla. I like that. Well, John, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimble, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra SIPC. at CarsYeah.com. Okay, John, we're back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
0: Love a car until it doesn't make sense anymore.
1: (laughs) That's the first I've heard that. That's cool. Hey, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your success over the years?
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. It's don't be afraid to be different in order to improve. I mean, if you if you want to get better, it doesn't mean just doing something more often. It means you've you got to change and you can't yeah. be afraid to do it.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. You know, it's awesome advice. Definitely step out of that comfort zone and do something different. Now, if you could have a drink with someone in the automotive industry or field, living or deceased, who would it
0: be? It would definitely be Ken Miles. Ken um,
1: Miles? Why, is, why Ken?
0: I wish I could pick his brain about all the miles he's put on in testing and, you know, not so much what happened, um, you know, in the races, but really about the testing because that guy was, I mean, I, I feel that he was ahead of his time. All the machines that car manufacturers do now to test, test the G's, test the handling, all, all these things, I mean, the feedback he gave… It was, I mean, I, I just feel that he gave them a competitive advantage uh, on designing their vehicles.
1: Yeah. So you're talking about Ken Miles, the British sports car racing champion, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I have really interesting history uh, with Ken. I'd like to learn more about him and uh, read more about him. In fact, I had an acquaintance up here in the Pacific Northwest that had a very interesting MG that he raced, that Ken raced, called the Flying Shingle which is oh. a one-off car that was a really unique car that I believe Ken Miles raced that car if I'm not incorrect but uh, yeah very interesting we your first one to uh, recommend Ken so I find that really interesting that a young man like you uh, would be interested in Ken Miles so very very cool now about a book is there a book you've read that you think our listeners should read as well
0: you know it's got a i've got to give it to Tools of Titans um ah. Tim Ferriss yeah i mean there there's so so much to be had to improve your life um uh, from there i mean you can I mean, really, you can draw from all the titans, use what they use to be better.
1: Gosh, Tim Ferriss, he's got some really cool books. Probably the most popular the four hour work week. That he put together. But yeah, he's got I think like the four hour chef, the four hour body and but Tools of Titan. I like that book. It's a great book. So great recommendation. And listeners, I'll remind you, you can find links to all these great resources that John has shared on his show notes page at cars.com slash john Rogers. And there's a cool place on the website called guest recommended books under the resource tab where this book by Tim Ferris, and all the books from the past seven hundred thirty-three guests now on Cars yeah are listed for quick easy clicks to buy. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, John, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one really cool collector car in your garage, I don't care what it costs, because today it's kind of fantasy day here at Carsia, yeah, so I'll buy you any car in the world you'd like. What would it be and why?
0: That's very easy. It's gonna be the sixty six Shelby Cobra four twenty seven. I'm pretty sure there's only one left of those. And the reason why is I had a replica of that vehicle when uh-huh. I met my wife, uh-huh. and I needed to buy her a wedding ring, so I sold it. Oh,
1: what a nice guy! Yeah. So now there's a sacrifice for love, if I ever yeah. heard one.
0: <laughs> so every time I, I see that thing, I'm like, eh, I would love to get another one of those, and if it could be the original, that's I, I'd like that even more.
1: Wouldn't that be cool? Now I'm wondering, do you know where that, where one of those, a real one, is?
0: You know, I don't. I know it was. Sold in Arizona in 2007, but I don't know what the history is past that.
1: Hidden away somewhere by somebody. Well, I'll start researching that so I can find you that car, all right?
0: (laughs) I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, no problem. Well, John, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. Being at the Thermo Club, I knew we'd have fun racing around the track, if you will. And I've really enjoyed learning more about you, and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the CarShout listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down one of those tracks there at the Thermal Club in that 66 Shelby Cobra?
0: Sure. It's um, probably not going to be a normal piece of advice, but give butter coffee a try.
1: Give butter coffee a try. Okay. Now now you've got my curiosity up because no one's ever answered the question that way. What on earth is butter coffee?
0: So – Butter coffee, or I think there's a brand of it, kind of like Kleenex, is a brand of tissue uh-huh. uh, called Bulletproof Coffee. And basically, you take your normal coffee in the morning. You know, when I started I was started having butter coffee, I was drinking uh, triple espresso in the morning, and I have three to four cups. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the, yeah, I, a lot of caffeine. I've got a one-year-old and a four-year-old. So, oh, my goodness. You know, it, you know, evenings can be tough. Yeah. So the first day that I went to butter coffee. I had one cup of coffee and no headache or no nothing like that. So, so yeah.
1: Well,
0: you just so put butter in a
1: coffee? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's, um, you take grass fed butter and you salted or unsalted grass fed butter. Uh-huh. You, t- it's a half a tablespoon or a tablespoon, you know, depending on your taste. It's generally like Kerry Gold is the one that Vaughn's or Ralph's has mm-hmm. and, um, or, or someone like that normal guys have. You can do it. With a teaspoon of coconut oil, or you don't have to, mm-hmm. and then you pour your coffee on top of it. You stir it or shake it up, or you know, if you have a cap on it, and you drink it. And the idea is you start your morning that way and you start burning fats instead of burning sugars. And it's a slow drip on the caffeine, so you don't need caffeine throughout the day.
1: Ah, so you basically mix the butter and the coconut oil
0: in your coffee cup. Correct. And drink it.
1: I'm from Seattle. Why do I not know this? You know,
0: <laughs> It's worth looking up. I'm, I'm telling you, it's worth doing a Google and see okay. what other people think. All right. Well, that's a first for that one. So
1: thank you for that word of wisdom. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the Thermal Club?
0: Best way is to go to the thethermalclub.com.
1: Great. Awesome. Well, listeners, again, you'll find links to everything that John has been so kind to share on his show notes page at com. Just type in John Rogers in the search bar. That page will pop up. Check out the Thermal Club. This is a very cool place. And if you're going to be in that part of the world, you should go over and see John and check the place out. Sounds like a very fun place to hang out. John, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars you listeners. And with me, until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
0: Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah.